Welcome to the Shut Up Show. This is the Brave Solopreneurs Podcast helping you shut up and make shit happen. Inside every episode, you'll hear raw and uncensored conversations with amazing entrepreneurs and thought leaders who bring their best work every day despite being scared shitless. You'll gain mindset strategies on how to brave through your fears, tactical advice to help you define your shut up moment, and impact-driven tips inspiring you to live and work on your own terms. And now, your hosts and co-shut-uppers of making shit happen, Bernie Shung and Phil Gerbyshack. Okay. Anyway, okay, hi. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for coming. And like I said, we're going to try to, this is our very first time Phil and I are doing the Shut Up Show live. So if we look a little confused and flustered, we probably are. <laughs> but um, just real quick, I, I'm going to kind of turn over here real quick to the online community. For those online who weren't able to make it, um, the, yeah, here's Mr. Misfit in, in the flesh. Um, my co-host Phil Gerbyshack and I, this is our first time Ooh. doing Oh, and I'm Bernie Shung, and I always forget to tell people that. This is the first time we're doing a live streaming uh, Google Hangout for the Shut Up Show in front of a live audience. So this is, thank you. So this will be very interesting. So that's why I'm looking over here, but I'll be back to you guys in a second. So um, for you guys, thank you so much. Um, all of you guys are either friends of Phil or... Myself or uh, the Misfits, <laughs> the Misfits, AJ and Melissa, Leon. But thank you so much for coming. It it just means so much to me that you guys would come and celebrate with us. It's such an amazing event. Uh, number one, because of the accomplishment of the book, uh, AJ will talk about in our conversation today. But just in general, I mean, you, AJ, you and Melissa changed my life since 2011, and I won't go into great detail about I just that. Said, like the last time I was on this show, I like I almost cried. I know you, did. you can't do that. To me. Yeah, I won't. I won't. I won't. I won't go I've through that again. I've never felt better in my life. Than but but I will say that um, it, it it changed my life uh, being introduced to AJ and Melissa Leon because of the bravery and the courage that you showed when you left the comfortable, amazing, lucrative career and life that you had in Manhattan. And you seriously just took off, and you're like, oh, I'm going to go change the world, and maybe build a uh, windmill in Africa and things like that, and maybe publish a book and turn down money from a public. I mean, just like, all these amazing things, you guys. So I personally feel humbled and blessed to have been hand-selected to help co-host um, a book tour in Milwaukee. Milwaukee is so proud to be on the map because of people like you. So, so thank you for being here. Dude, thank you. That's my intro thank, to you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> we're hug. Thank you. I, I want to tell you something. I was just, this may sound weird, but I was just in Toronto two days ago, and, and I was speaking to somebody, and it was somebody that you had coached. And I said, I told them why I was going to Milwaukee, and, and then they're like, Bernie? I was like, yeah. How is that possible that you know? And, and she's like, "Oh no, she's such a great coach." And she was going on and on about how you were changing her life and her perspective. Aww. So, yeah, just just wanted to let you know that. Thank you. Yeah, oh, I appreciate awesome. that. And Phil, my co-host, I know you've got many words too. Yeah, well, yeah, lots of stuff. We're very honored, AJ and Melissa. You guys are here, so that's really cool. Uh, you guys are in for a treat. If you guys don't know, uh, AJ and Melissa, and you just showed up because you're our friends. We appreciate that. But we will actually entertain you and educate you tonight, too, which is pretty cool. Bernie, can I have the book? Yes, please. So, please yeah. thank you. So um, this book was made, like, by heart. Okay? Yeah. Every piece of this book, AJ and Melissa and the team made sure is perfect. 
So it's pretty cool that we get to touch it and see it. Unless you find a typo. Unless you find a typo. No, and, and those are free. Typos are free. So yeah. somebody else might have, yeah. But uh, yeah, you get to smell the book and check it out because it's pretty cool. Birthing a book is a big deal, and coming to Milwaukee is a big deal, so we're really glad. No, man, yeah. thank you. And guys, I'm happy to be here. I fucking love Milwaukee. I fucking love this. <laughs> yeah. yeah! You heard of Milwaukee. I do, I do. Cool. Awesome. And cool. a few quick thank yous. Yep. We want to make sure uh, Joe and Angie Sorge, I don't know if they're still here. They scooted. because they're always workaholics. Thank you to <laughs> Angie and Joe Sorge and their amazing staff here at Swig and all of the other... They own the other restaurants, AJ Bomber, Smoke Shack. Um, thank you to them for sponsoring the venue and the space and the amazing staff. Uh, without that, we probably really wouldn't have a great space like this. And they're awesome friends of oh, uh, yeah. AJ and Melissa as well, so um, I always appreciate it. And Joe, actually, Joe and Chris Brogan are the reason why I even found out about your yeah. story. Oh, okay. So, the, again, connecting the dots and getting to meet all these amazing people. And Joe and Angie are amazing people. responsible for... Uh, for raising the cholesterol level of, of Milwaukee with their delicious treats. Oh my so gosh, yeah, like. yeah, yeah. So, and then another thank you to Melissa Wijaya, if you're on. Uh, we landed our first sponsor six months in with the, the Shut Up Show without even expecting to. Thank you, wow. Carrie. Um, and the Cells, S-E-L-Z.com. They uh, have been amazing sponsors for the last couple of months, and so I want to make sure we shout out to them because yeah. we went to a Without their support. Anybody else? Anything else, Bill? Nope. I think that's everything. Awesome. Uh, you do the wave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And thank you to all of you, seriously. Our friends, you guys are family, you guys are absolutely amazing, and you guys make Milwaukee the place it is. I, I, I keep calling it my home even though I don't live here anymore, but it gives me an excuse to come back. So let's just get into it. Let's get into it. Let's do our little talk show here yeah. live. Um, I'll, I'll kind of break down the logistics. We're going to do a very informal interview in front of you guys and talk to AJ. We've had him on the show before, but a lot has happened since then. Um, after that, we're going to do a Q&A session with you guys and with the online community. So I'll kind of moderate that, and Phil will do the online stuff. But um, if you could hold the questions until the end, that'd be great, just to make sure that we're mindful of time. But yeah, cool. let's cool. do this. Awesome. Thanks, Bernie. So. So for those of you who don't know who AJ is, this is book, Life and Times of a Remarkable Misfit, which he turned down a traditional publisher to make himself a work of art. So and actually, he, he had the money, yeah, right? Yeah. Accepted it and then realized this isn't going to be the book That's right, yeah. that I wanted. So here's your money back. I'm going to do this myself. Yeah, yeah. So before we talk about that, though, what the heck is this misfit thing, AJ? I think it's important to kind of do some level setting here for those who don't necessarily know what that means. Um, you know, misfit is a obviously it's a term that we all know, and and it's something that after I mean I used to be a banker, that's who I was, and I did that because I was I was living the life that I was supposed to lead. I went to school, uh, went to university, studied, got great grades. Uh, Graduated first in my class, all because a teacher in high school had looked at me in the face when I was when I was trying to decide what college I would go to, and I was just a stupid kid in high school that could only put a nine-inch ball into an eighteen-inch hoop. And Miss Mitchell looked at me when I was um, asking what university I should go to. She said, "You know, AJ, I think a guy like you probably shouldn't consider going to college. You should you should consider being a mechanic or go to vacational school." Nothing against mechanics at all. I have a lot of friends that are mechanics. That's certainly not what you want to hear. 
um, at that time in, in, in your life when you're deciding um, what you want to do, what you want to study and all that. And from that moment on, I just looked at this woman who had just estimated me as a fucking loser, and I just thought, I'm going to prove this bitch wrong. <laughs> and I'm going to prove wrong anyone that thought that thinks that I'm a loser and that thinks I'm not capable of anything, and I will spend the rest of my days making sure that I win. And to me, what that meant was, and we all have misvisuals in our lives. You know, we all have that person that just looks at you, and some of us have, several, have had several of those people that look at you, and they just they, they look you up and down. They decide exactly what you're capable of. And from that moment, that sentence like led me on this trajectory when I went to university to to win. And for me, winning was going to Barnes and Nobles when those still existed, uh, opening uh, a book of, of majors and degrees that I would study. And zeroing in on the one, uh, and this there, this book particularly had a earning potential over lifespan of a career, and I zeroed in on finance because that's how you win, you know. The, the 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 line went up and to the right, and it went up and to the right the furthest. I studied accounting and finance. I graduated in the first of my class. I ended up taking the largest offer from the biggest firm that was offering. I didn't give a fuck where I'd be working, who I'd be working for. All I cared about was how many zeros were at the end of that signing bonus and how that could get me closer to my career. I did that through my mid-20s. That ended up leading me to a place where in my mid-20s I had a six-figure salary, a corner office, an outrageous bonus. But the tiny little problem was I was outrageously unhappy. And I was in the midst of living in some other dude's life. Um, I ended up on December 31st, 2007, uh, walking to my boss's office where he offered um, me a raise and he offered me a promotion for the new year. And this promotion was going to come with significantly more money, it would have made me a junior partner in my firm, which is basically in Manhattan terms, like you're minted, you did it, you know, now you just hold on until you get that partner role and you're going to be okay. Um, and I walked out of his office and I walked back into my own and I just started to, to weep. I just started to cry because I realized that, that I was trapped, that any idea that I had of, of living a life of meaning, of purpose, of adventure, like all those things that I sat at my desk and said, I'm gonna, I am a misfit, I don't fucking belong here. And I always said that to myself and I always knew it, but I was very good at this game. And I was very, and I was still thinking about Miss Mitchell, making sure that I was gonna that I was gonna win, that I was gonna be a winner at the end. Once I was offered that, man, I was like, my life was over. It was scripted. When you sit there and you recognize that your life, as you know it, is a script, and you're and you're reading it, I can see the guy that just offered me that position is the guy that I'm gonna be in, in 30 years' time. Um, and and I just started to weep and, and, until one moment, I just thought. Wait a second. I have a choice. I have a choice right here and right now, and I can walk away from all this. I can walk away immediately from everything that I'd ever known, and maybe somehow, some way, I'd been duped into living some other dude's life. Maybe I never belong, be, belong here. Maybe every idea that I had that I am a misfit and that I don't belong in this world. I don't. And these these terms of success and this vernacular syntax of the way that we estimate people. Maybe that's not my language. I just accepted it. Um, and uh, and I walked out. I walked out. It was four days before Melissa and I got married. <laughs> and uh, bless her heart, my gosh. Yeah. You're about to get married, right? Yeah. Oh, honey, yeah. sorry, no paycheck anymore. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and by the way, where were you guys going to on your honeymoon? Africa. 
yeah, Africa. Yeah, yeah, but an opulent, <laughs> opulent uh, adventure in Africa, which I probably should have spent like $30,000 on. Um, yeah, we had no money. I mean, it was one of those things. When you're in that world, you spend more than you earn. Yeah. You know, when you know that, like, yeah. the next bonus check is going to be, you know, six feet, fucking hold on to money. You don't have to, right. you know. So I had nothing. I, it was, <laughs> you know, and it's your, your wedding. So you just literally dumped all your money in fucking birthday, you know, wedding cake. That's like <laughs> a $20,000 wedding cake or whatever. And and I and I just walked out the door. And, yeah, you're right. That was a fun call. I was like, I mean, I didn't even yeah. think at that time it was, and people ask me, you know, is that what I, like, would I give that as, as you know, some life advice? And and no, you know, I, I would suggest people be a little bit more <laughs> wise than I was. And like, <laughs> figure figure that out, you know, beforehand. Like as you're on this path, a lot of people, you know, you're unhappy, and you can figure that out. Maybe you should, you coach people, you probably help people with this, um, or not coach, but advise people on how to do on, on how to do that. Um, or make those adjustments in their life. Um, but but you me, said something interesting last time we talked yeah. to you, though. You said it wasn't like you just had that moment of reckoning. You you would you've been stewing on this. God, my life sucks. I hate this. So I think at that point it wasn't really an impulsive decision. It was you had enough. Yeah. Right. So yeah. Take us through that a little bit, because I think sometimes people get confused with well, he made a decision. It was rash. It was impulsive. But yeah. how long did you know this was the wrong life? That I you mean, were leaving? I. I you know, in a way, I had always known. You know, I had always, I was, I was never happy. You know, joy is the only currency that really matters. <laughs> you know, that's the only thing that matters. You got money, but you're not happy. You, you know, who cares? Um, I know a lot of people that have committed suicide with millions of dollars in their bank account. Um, so that was something that I had known all along. For for me, at that particular moment, what had happened is it was a point of no return. You know, you have to know yourself and be self-aware enough to know that I. The reason I never walked away is because the potential of earning or, or, or being more, more successful, having more money, was something that it becomes harder and harder to walk away. We have this relationship with money that is very odd in the sense that we created it, but it owns us. And the more we make, the harder it is to walk away. Yeah. We create overheads and and this world for ourselves that we have to sustain. When I was offered that promotion, that was it. I would never be able to walk away from that type of money ever in my entire life, and I knew it, and I knew it. And that's that is that's the reason. And you're right; it's, it wasn't impulsive like something I just freaked out. It was like I saw that I was offered. I I had been brought to the precipice, and that was my choice. And if I made that choice, and if I would have stuck, everything would have been different, and I would have never made a different one. So yeah, you're right; it wasn't impulsive. It was, it was, uh, it was more of an evacuation than it was. <laughs> yeah. And I always fall in love with this part of the story when you tell how Melissa reacted when yeah. you told her, and I love this girl over there, Melissa. I love you to death because of what she said. It was so poetic. But yeah. please, please share with us yeah. what she said. Yeah. Yeah. We. Um, I mean, I, I, I took that elevator down, and you know, I, I, you know, the first moment is I'm like, I'm free for the first time in my adult life. I'm free. I threw my hands in the air. I'm downtown Manhattan. I'm like, gotta go now, you know. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, shit. You know, that, <laughs> just some other unemployed banker in 2008, <laughs> right. you know. And uh, and I realize I'm getting married in four days, and I'm like, I, I gotta call my wife, you know, my, my fiance. So I called Melissa, probably the worst time to call her because she was with her mom <laughs> doing wedding stuff, you know, and getting the dress and all the things you do before the wedding. And, and I told her what had happened. 
And and I'll never forget what she said to me. She said, I'd rather live with the real you under the Brooklyn Bridge than an impersonation of you anywhere else. I'm just glad I have you back. Um, and that's because we, we've known each other since we were 15 years old. So she saw this whole story arc. She saw this thing taking place and me becoming a, a moniker of myself, me basically just putting on this facade every day and, and, and being a, a different uh, person. And so for her, it was a return more than more than something you know shocking that she didn't expect. I was that dude always. I'd just been hiding for 10 years. Um, so yeah. yeah. Well? That's cool. So, <laughs> so, th so thinking about that, though, there had to have been some scared shitlessness, right? Something that was like, what the hell am I doing? Even though you're completely free and now you can do what you want, what was that? I mean, what what did you, you know, did you take like a month after that safari and say, eh, hey, well, you know, I'm just going to hang loose? Or um, you like, you know, what happened? Talk us through that. Yeah, it was, it was during that. I mean, I immediately, on our honeymoon, I have these vivid memories of me and Melissa in like these really opulent tents in Africa with like a yellow pad. Like, what the fuck are we going to do? You know? <laughs> I got to pay rent next month and Manhattan is not an inexpensive place to live. And and we didn't have it, man. We, you know, it was empty. I, I left with two grand. Rent was three, three thousand two hundred or something like that. We didn't even have enough for that. So I had to start mapping out what I would do. And initially, it's a lot of self-discovery. You know, people. It's easy to look back retroactively at a story, and then you think like, oh, well, cool. Like, you know, it's cool. Company misfit. It's always been that way, but it hasn't. You know, at that time, all I thought was. I just didn't want the prison sentence of going to an office every day. I thought that that was it. And if I could just be an entrepreneur of any stripe, or open up an ice cream shop, be a consultant, it wouldn't matter as long as I was my own boss, you know? Um, but, but what happens sometimes and what happened to me is that you can end up creating a prison, um, creating your very own prison, except this time it's locked from the inside and you're holding the key. And that's what I started to do. I started to build this consulting, this management consulting practice, which is basically the same more shit I was doing before, except I was doing it for myself. And and I was amassing the, you know, I was getting these clients, and I did. I, I was actually surprised at how easy it was if, to get clients, you know, in this, you know, it's finance. I, mean, I had contacts, and I was able to do this. And then I'm sitting, you know, I'm sitting in, in a meeting with one of these clients, with, and, and he's explaining to me. Yeah, his risk exposure and his tax liability, and I just start zoning out, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, and then I catch myself, and I just think, why don't I want to be here right now? Like, why, why don't I want to be? I mean, I, I escaped from the, the, the dragon's lair, you know? I, I, I cut off the dragon's head. I got the girl. I'm out. I'm free. I should be thrilled to be sitting here as an entrepreneur with clients and with money coming in invoices out only two months out of my of my former you know that that's very rare and then I recognize it's because I fucking hated that guy and I and I hated the work and I hated all my clients I hated everything that I had ever done and for me what I recognize is that the impetus was polluted when your starting place is polluted everything out you can't get away from the perversion of everything after that moment you know when your starting place when you you go to school for finance and account because you're trying to prove something to some, you know, bitch in high school that thought that you were a loser and like that's the starting place. Yeah. Then everything after that's going to be uh, everything else is going to be polluted, you know. And that was that was um, that was my life. You know, those are the decisions that I made. So I had to at that point, I, I, Melissa and I went back 
and, and I thought to myself, what if we could start from scratch? What if there was no context of history, no pretext, nothing? What if what if today was day one? What would I do? You know, what would we do together? And that was our, you know, this infamous list that we we brought out that we still have. And we just let ourselves dream for a minute, you know? Like you never do that in life where you just let yourself just you know, just let yourself dream and look out into the horizon and pretend like it's all possible like when you're six and you think you're gonna be the president of the United States. And and we wrote down things that today we're doing, but at the time were ludicrous. Which you know, things like we wanted to work together. She was a teacher, and I was just a douche, a douchebag banker. Like there was no possibility of those worlds converging. We wanted to travel over fifty percent of the time. We never traveled. We were not travelers and ventures. That just wasn't our game. But we always wanted to be. Um, we wanted to work on social, humanitarian, cultural work with at least 20-25% of our time. Like put our life into changing the world in some way. We wanted to do work on the web. I was always an artistic guy, you know, in terms of designer up until like my teenage years, and then somebody told me you can't make money doing art, so I put that away. Um, so I had that, but I wasn't a web designer. I didn't know anything about the web. In high school, I was like famously quoted as the guy that said, the internet's a fad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I was that dude. I didn't know anything about this stuff here. And uh, so I was like so far removed from the world that I live right now um, that, uh, but we just wrote all these things down and then we promised ourselves that day that, that we wouldn't wait and that we would allow that list to act as the filter for every decision that moment on forward, no matter how excruciating it was, um, which then led us to a place where we had to make some pretty wild decisions, which was you know, we had to, we got rid of all of our shit. You know, we, we just threw away all our stuff or gave it away. Uh, only kept what we could keep in our backpacker bags. Took the last bit of our money and bought one-way tickets to Europe. And honestly, started trading websites for bagels. You know, and we didn't know what the hell. We were. Melissa's like WordPress. I think this WordPress thing might work. And I'm like, uh, I can draw. I can on this piece of paper. How do you get it into the light box? How do I get the drawing into the light box? You know, <laughs> like. like like, it's crazy, you know. You slept under park benches or oh, bus yeah. benches. You oh, told us about time. that. You guys oh. have been pretty much homeless. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, for a while. Yeah, we went, we went through. Yeah. The, I mean, but, but always happy. People hear that and they're like, oh man, yeah. you know, it's good that you get each other during the downtimes. I was like, man, that wasn't the downtimes. Don't talk to me about downtime. I had the, I had a blast sleeping in Victoria train station. It's warm in there until three o'clock when they kick you out. You know. Uh, but we had a blast, you know, because you, when you're living life as an adventure, all the context of of, of what one would consider normal, yeah. you know, like the comforts that we're that we are taught and 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 like taught to to not to like embrace and and to like that goes away, you know, that goes away when you're truly you. And I don't think that everyone's like crazy nomads like us. Like some people would be really unhappy, and that's totally cool, you know. But for us, like, man, if I'm on an adventure. I don't care if I'm if I just wear my beater with like a machete on my back and I'm eating hamsters, I'll be I'll be happy, you know. And that almost happened. Hamsters are like they're very delicious. <laughs> <laughs> very, very sensational hamsters. No, I I love it, and I remember you saying to us in our first interview with you several months ago. You said something like, "If you start to see your life as a novel unraveling." And, and you look back and go, wow, this is going to be a great story to tell yeah. someday. That inspired me because you don't know this yet. Phil knows this. Only some of you know this. But in all of 2013, I had a, a really, really dark time um, with parental alienation. And I won't go into that. But 
I used 2013 as my year to write a therapy. I wrote a one-year memoir in a single Saturday three weeks ago. And wow. you know what I was thinking about the entire time was what you said to us in that interview. He said, if you think of your life as a novel unraveling, I'm like, holy shit, look back in the story that you have to tell. So instead of seeing my story as, oh my god, that sucked that that happened to me, I look back and I go, holy shit, look what I did in 2013. Yeah. And I got to write it all every single week as therapy, and it now became a book that I want you to write the forward for. Wow, oh, done. done. Okay. Oh my god, that was awesome. Oh, that's perfect. But anyway, but it, the whole reason why I share that, though, is that inspired me to go, stop looking at the darkness and the negativity as something bad and see it as your novel unfolding. Can, yeah. can you take us through that? Because yeah. I, I know it's yeah. hard to wrap our head around that massive topic. Yeah. I mean, and no, I mean, it, it's, first of all, congratulations. Thank you. That's amazing. Yeah, amazing. It, it's pretty, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'll, I'll be thrilled. I blacked out for like 14 yeah. hours, and I'm like, oh, wow. Awesome. Yeah, I think, you know, and Melissa and I learned this too, you know, that when when you view your life as a novel, and when you view yourself as a protagonist in a grand adventure, everything changes. Because the times that you think, man, th this is awful, I'm sleeping under a bus bench at Victoria train station or sleeping in a car, you recognize that if I were reading this, that would be the parts that would keep me awake at night as I'm paging through it, you know? Those are the parts in life that you look back, that struggle, that's the interesting piece. The interesting piece isn't when you get to the place where you like just bought a mansion and the, you know, like that's not interesting. No one gives a shit about that. You know? It's those it's those tough times that, that make a story worth listening to and worth following and the things that we know intuitively because those are the stories that we read. You know, we follow Fro Frodo out of the Shire because we know that that guy, because he's dealing with the ring race, those crazy bastards that are trying to kill him and everything else until he gets to that point. And we wouldn't even pay attention to that story if he just trotted, you know, skipped up to, the, to, to Mount Doom and, and flicked the ring in with sure. butterflies whisping around his head. <laughs> and, and that's the thing, and, and we know that intuitively when it comes to narrative, but we don't view our lives as a narrative, but we but we know, you know, in that cocktail party 40 years from now, you're going to tell, tell that those stories now that you went through. And that's important as human beings. You know, it's important because I think the, the greatest regret people have that I've seen, at least in literature that I've read and people that I've met, is living a sanitized life. Living a life, it's not living a hard one, it's living one that's too, uh, just too rounded at the edges, you know? Um, and, uh, yeah, so, yeah, long answer to short No, question. I love it. Phil, do you want do you want AJ to maybe dig into the book a little bit? Yeah. So, that yeah, that was that's a great segue, Bernie. Absolutely. Talk about some of those rounded edges that aren't there, which is really kind of the genesis of your book here. So yeah. take us through a little bit. Um, first of all, talk a little bit about the process, and then, and then give us, you know, kind of what's inside. So when folks get this, they're going to jump on it. Sure. I mean, you know, number one, um, that I never intended to publish any of that. Um, when I when I left my former life and I started basically the process of reinventing my life. I mean, that's that's what I did over five years. I started writing again. You know, like when you do when you're a kid and you journal. And and I started writing again and and I just got a moleskin out. And what I recognized that I was doing with these essays, and this is only after the fact, is that I was basically writing letters to a younger version of myself. You know, so every this is a collection of essays that was written over the last four four years. 
um, none of which were meant to be published, and all of which were basically me saying, Dear AJ. You know, you could take each one of them and put Dear AJ at the top, and I'm just talking to me as a younger kid. Tell, what would I tell me now? You know, that, you know, that I know now and that I'm learning now. So as I was um, completely reinventing my life and we're on the road, and then we start to do these humanitarian projects in, in Tanzania and, 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 and Malawi and Kenya and, and all this stuff um, on, our, on our nomading around the world, I, I started to, to write these essays. And, and um, it was only about a year and a half ago or two years ago when I decided to publish those on, on the web. And I thought, well, maybe I, I can piece these together and put them you know, launch a blog called The Pursuit of Everything, and then like put them together, and, and, and so I designed it. And I like put my whole heart into into it. Was, it was ten of these that are free on on, um, on online. But even then, I didn't think a book. You know, I didn't right. think a book. And I remember it was my it was August sixteenth. It was a year and a half ago, and I was so petrified. I was so fucking scared, and I almost didn't didn't publish that manifesto. Is what I called it, because you know. All you know, all these illustrations and all of those are my words and like, yeah. You know, this book is. He wrote this and he illustrated the artwork. You, you know when you when you uh, put put when you try really hard at something, that's when you're most exposed. Like if you kind of just act like, nah, you know, you just kind of put it out there, then then you can kind of say, I didn't even, I didn't give a shit. <laughs> but when you know that it looks like you tried really hard, then then you're just exposed. You're yeah. completely. Exposed, and I and I sat there, and that was the reason why I just almost didn't I, I almost didn't publish it, and in the end, I just decided, you know what, I got I got to live this. Thing. I can't just preach it, you know, and and I hit the publish button, and, and that that manifesto has been downloaded now. I, I last count, and that was ages ago, over half a million times, and it it sailed around the world in a way that I did not expect, and it obviously resonated. You know, I guess a lot of people could put dear oh, yeah. their own name there, you know. That then led to this journey of much later, like, hey, maybe I can publish a book, and then I got into this publishing deal and um, and had a publish. But then it was like I, I ended up getting into deal, and maybe a lot, you know, I'm sure there's writers in the room, and you 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 you, you get approached by a publisher, you get a deal, and then sometimes, not always, but sometimes, uh, you end up starting to write something that was never you. So I was offered a ten thousand dollars advance, which to me that looked like that was an absurd amount of money, you know, and and then I, you know, I took the deal, and I knew that I knew from the beginning that this is probably not going to be what I wanted to do. It was going to mm -hmm. definitely be a different version of kind it. Kind of like the banker job, right? You took it knowing that you weren't going to. Yes. Yeah. And you're you're the only one who's like to piece it together. Like what I recognized later on in my life yeah. is that even a couple years ago, that person is still inside me. Yeah. The dude that wants to be picked. Yeah. The dude that needs to be validated. I saw friends of mine who were published authors, and I thought I, I'll be one of them. You know, I'll be one of them. I'll be, you know, one of one of the guys. You know, and 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 that's why I took it, and I recognized it. And I, I, I've been you know, paid in advance. I started, got a quarter into the deal, until I realized I can't do this. I can't do this. I would just I would end up being exactly everything. You like turning I, down big offers, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I like getting into them and just right. realizing what an asshole I am. I, I don't want it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so then, I, and it wasn't even the public. You know, it was me. It was right, me. And right. I, uh, they were lovely people. Um, but uh, yeah, so then I got out of that deal, and and then that's when you know pursuit had kind of. I just I don't know. I you know I I had 
I had readers and like people who appreciated my work and even when you see that, you know from like writing course, and stuff, yeah. like you still don't believe it. No, of course. It doesn't matter like if something gets like five thousand likes, you still yeah. think like that's a fluke. You know, <laughs> right. like no one really gets this and so I was very doubtful and then I thought, you know, well maybe I could do a Kickstarter and, and the whole concept was if I could do a Kickstarter raise ten thousand dollars the advance of the book and I knew that I could produce a book for that amount then even if I end up generating no revenue, whatever that breaks even, then then, I'll, then cool. Like I'll, I would have done it my own way and done what I it got out these essays that have been sitting in my moleskin for far too long, and, and obviously the people had, had appreciated. So um, we about a year ago I launched this Kickstarter, and it was the craziest day of my life. It was, it was awesome. It was. It was ludicrous. Where were the stats again? Like, within what five hours? It within five hours. It was funded. One hundred percent funded. Yeah. But then it kept going. It kept going. Yeah, and I'm just sitting there like hitting refresh, like you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're and watching. And with Kickstarter, if you don't get it fully funded, you don't get any of the money. Oh my god! At all. Oh my god! And, right. and the worst, you see, the, the worst part about Kickstarter is is not that you don't get the money. It's that they leave up the page. So it's, it's, it's loser <laughs> forever. Like, seriously, it's like this permanent obelisk to your failure. Right. Out there on the web. Of 10. Yeah. And the night before I published it, I made the mistake of, of, of doing a search about unfunded Kickstarter campaigns. <laughs> and it's like the saddest thing. You know, there was like one that was like 30 worst unfunded Kickstarter campaigns. Some dude would like. Zero, but he he put like so much Aww. like work into the text and the video and all that. <laughs> Not one funder. I mean, don't you have a mother? Like, <laughs> I was like, and I just thought, dude, I'm finished. You know, there's no way nobody's gonna nobody. And there's so many books on Kickstarter. It's, it's yeah. you know, it's not the fucking Pebble Watch. It's a book. You know? <laughs> so you wanted ten thousand, and in five hours you were fully funded. Yeah. And by the end of the whole campaign, I think you raised what thirty-eight thousand yeah. dollars. Yeah. Yeah, Instead of the ten thousand, yeah. yeah, it was something. What What did you do well or right? Um, with the Kickstarter campaign, I think. Um, well, first of all, I just it was people that shared it, you know. So like, um, but one thing is that the the tribe of people, and and not that there's anything wrong wrong with people who do this differently, but I think looking back, I think this is why pursuit of everything is not about selling anything. There's no conversion point. Right. It's it's about and even if there is, like, oh, I put up a little product, I talk about it in the PS or whatever, there's no, it's not driven for sales. It's driven for ideas. Right. So I think the people, the misfits who have come around that, they see, they see themselves in that. And those, those, they're not even my idea. I mean, some of them my ideas, but there are ideas that everybody's echoing. We're all the same. You, you go around the world, no matter where you are, you meet a misfit. Like, you just, you know, you, you're like the same people. And and that tribe of people, they, they back each other Yeah. in a way in which I've seen you know, maybe a tribe that's like well, hundred times bigger wouldn't back because it's about information. You know, mm -hmm. as opposed, and that's one thing that I noticed and, and during that time, and I only noticed it backwards because I'm like, what is going on? You know, mm -hmm. that day. Um, also, you know, something. I, you know, Melissa sent out many personal emails, personal emails. You know, not like an email blast, just saying. And I only found this out afterwards. Just saying, hey, AJ, just you know, launched this. Would you mind just sharing? Um, never asked anybody to back it. I never once did I ask anybody back it or any of us in this bit. We just asked would people share it and, and maybe that helped. I don't know, you know. Um, but that was it. It was crazy. It was absolutely absurd, you know. Um, that that it worked out that way. And from that, I had always had we we launched a project about uh, a year earlier for to launch a creative arts journal called the Misfit Journal. Um, 
and and now we're 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 getting into production where we're doing we're producing that every four months. So what I really wanted to do at that point, I thought I don't just want to publish a book. I want to I want to start a publishing company for misfit works. You know things that I, I dig. I think people dig. You know with the letter press. Just do it on our own and see if that would work. You know. Um, so then we we took that the funds that we raised and then we invested into the knowledge, just the, the 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 intellectual capital that you need to figure out like how do you do that on your own. Right. Um, and it, it takes time, you know, to find like book binders <laughs> and like you know these are like people that live in shacks in, in uh, Wyoming and stuff. Right. But we found a book binder and we found um, people to uh, uh, people who, you know uh, print covers like artis artisanal like uh, cover printing and like. We, we know the paper mill where the paper came from, like all the different elements. I want to like disaggregate publishing and see if you can do it on your own. And so we launched Misfit Press, and then obviously the book is is um, Misfit Journal, the Creative Arts Journal. And this is the first. We haven't even properly like the site. None of the sites up. This is the first time books yeah, have actually first been out time in a while. anybody's seeing <laughs> actually, this hard. Yeah. version of the book. So. And we didn't think we'd have it because we're not launching everything. Just in time for Milwaukee. That's how special we are, Milwaukee. I know. I know. When I found out that we could actually have books here, I was like, oh, Bernie, I'll be on you Hello. I mean, hello. Um, so, I like to be a pioneer in things. <laughs> and one cool thing that we that I really, because uh, humanitarian work is a big element of what we do, yeah. one thing that I wanted to figure out also was, and we did, is that with each purchase of a book of any type from Misfit Press, we're, we're going to, in our projects in Kenya, we're going to give a book to a child uh, in rural Kenya that doesn't have one. I mean, I've done so much work in Sub-Saharan Africa. You go out there, and first thing people want to barter for, full-grown men, children, whatever, paper, mm -hmm. pencils, and books. Oh, wow. Because it's just not there. And even big companies that send shipments of books a lot of time, just like shipments of medical supplies. I don't know if you've heard of this. Like, governments take it. They redistribute it. It's awful. So we're just going to, like, take trips every six months with books on our own, you know, <laughs> and, like, pass them out and then do video calls with everybody who... Who uh, purchased the book? You know, because they'll be on a mailing list, and it's kind of like a one-for-one, one, you know, type of thing on top shoes. So that's that's one cool thing. So, so I don't want you to discount, you know, your value, you, you and Melissa and everything you do at Misfit. But I know we're we're trying to be mindful of time here too. Hey, but please. in addition to this self-publishing and then also self-printing this book, you also happen to launch. Trendy Misfit, which is a clothing line. Yeah. You also launched. Uh, I always forget everything because you guys do amazing things. But um, remind me of the other thing. Oh, the, the conference. Con yeah, yeah, Misfit Conference. Misfit yeah. Conference. Yeah. And what I found to be, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, what I found to be so unique about everything that you guys have launched, not only did it align with what you wrote on that legal pad, yeah. the paper that you and Melissa promised this was going to be the ethos of our company, but I have found that you guys don't follow best practices. You create your own practices, and you have this signature that is is unrecognizable anywhere else. It's, it's Srini Rao of Unmistakable Creative Podcast. But it's unmistakable. There's wow. nobody else who does what you guys do. So first of all, it, it, am I fair to say that that is why you guys do what you do, and then secondly, like how the hell do you guys come up with all these awesome ideas to uh, do these different companies? Number one, that's probably the greatest compliment that anybody <laughs> can ever pay me. Um, thank you very much for that. Um, I believe in small batch. Uh, I don't. I don't. Not. I'm not against uh, infinite scalability. I just. I refuse to worship at that altar. You know. I'm not. I'm not going to produce a conference of a thousand people because that's what you're supposed to do when you have a thousand people that want to go. You know, I'm going to do. I feel like 
there's a, there's a mixture. We live in a world now where like we're all part artist and part entrepreneur, and that gradient is it, like it's getting blurred. And where you fall in that spectrum is going to be very important with respect to the decisions that you make. Some people, wildlife artists, like a guy who shows up at MysticCon, he lives in the woods in Ireland, in Western Ireland. He's a blacksmith, and like that's like that dude's over here, like total artist, doesn't get, lives off the land, like that type of dude, which is absolutely wonderful. And then there's people that I think, like a lot of us, where we're in that middle ground. Um, and one thing that that um, that we focus on in Misfit with all our projects, I think this is true, is that we we focus on small batch. We focus on on big. If you can't feel love in the things that we, I feel like you. If we went to Starbucks right now, picked up a drink, not not nothing against Starbucks, and then we went to a local coffee shop where they do the latte art and they sit there maybe wait for ten minutes for it, we we can tell the difference between these two products, and it's not just one that tastes better. One was made with love. You know, one one had had humanity baked into it, and one is a, an effort of uh, free market capitalism and scale, and that's totally cool, right? For me, I, I would rather own a corner coffee shop, just one that everybody loves, and I got the same hipsters there like every day, you know, reading their their graphic comics or whatever hipsters do, um, rather than having 150,000 of the stores where people are like, eh, yeah, it's pretty good. Then that's me. Um, that's not everybody, and I don't preach that as as a philosophy. I, I I'll share my ideas about that, you know. But I think in the most part is like you have to be in alignment with who you are. You know, some people are gonna fall on this on line of the spectrum. That's cool if that's you. Know who you are, though. I think there's a lot of people that they feel like again, like this is success. You know. So if I start out, whatever it might be, if I start out a conference. And I produce that conference, and I limit it to 100 people. And then the next year, it went, you know, goes well. And there's there's people that want to get into the conference. You have now a thousand people that want to get in that, that are on your way. The pressure, the, the I mean, the current takes you upstream. You know, the, and it'll just if you're good at what you do, whatever it is that you do, it's just going to keep on taking you towards growth. That's where it takes. But you have to hold on and say, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> do I want to go in that direction? I get that the river takes you that way. If you're good, it's all about bigger. But maybe you don't like that. You know, maybe you just want to. Maybe you want to hug everybody at your conference. Like that's your deal. You know, um, and 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 then that's what you do. Or maybe you want to you want to produce. But like, is this ever going to be Barnes and Nobles? No, unless I drop a copy of it in there. You know what I'm saying? It's probably not going to happen. Which is part of our launch strategy, by the way. We're going to attend biggest drop in Barnes and Nobles. I learned, I learned that, that books, like they they pay to get the, the books on, on that yeah, front. Yeah. I did not know that. I yeah. didn't know that. So I'm, now I'm just going to go and just drop <laughs> Just to fuck with them. But, so, like, you know, my, is it ever going to get there? No. You know, am I ever going to have these big distribution? No, absolutely not. But you don't want to. But I don't want it. I don't want it. And I'm, I'm happy to know that, you know, if, if everybody who, who receives it feels the love that was in it, gets it. You know, they could feel this like it was hard to do all this. You know, <laughs> and if and if that means something to them, then 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 I'm happy. You know, yeah. and that's and that we bring in that element to whether it's our design apparel company or the conference or you know publications or even our design work on the web like yeah. footer art. You know, little things like that that matters to me. You know, um, so yeah. Sorry that's to block. Awesome. No, no, I love it. I love it. So I'm gonna have you wrap this up, um, and I'm gonna start going over here so we can sure. start Q and A. Yeah. Pretty soon, but go ahead and wrap up. Sure. So yeah. So a couple things um, that I heard. First is success is defined by you, and I think that's really important. So 
talk us talk us through where that kind of came from, AJ. I mean, parents, just strong belief in self. Was it the big F you, Miss Mitchell, or where yeah. where did you yeah. get that? Um, it was probably. I didn't start to recognize. I think I think the the thing that I started to realize is that you always have a choice, and I didn't. I I, I had never recognized that early in life. We act as though we don't have choice. We always have a choice. We have a choice, you know. And once I realized that I had more choices than I thought I had, then I recognized that I can define this game, you know. And I think that the clear delineating factor for me, for my life and and, and how I was going to live it was that day. It was not about success or winning and losing anymore. I recognized that that this life was mine and that it is my one and only. There's no redos. There's no encores. This is all I get. And if I accept this right now, I'm going to end up forfeiting 40 years of my life to a system that, that I didn't intend, to, that I didn't design, nor, do I, nor did I intend to ever play by. And... That verity, while it sounds like it sounds like uh, very esoteric, and it sounds like like you know a hippie speak, right? but I'm no hippie. <laughs> That's the most pragmatic statement on the face of the planet. We all, this is it for us. You know, even if you're a religious person, right, and you believe, and I'm a god pyramid, even if you believe in something later on in life, right, you only get this this human piece. Like this is all you get. You don't get to do it again. And, and that was when everything started changing for me. So it wasn't about success, and it wasn't about um, how I was going to define my life in terms of parameters. It was about living a life of intention, of doing work that truly matter, and about feeling like this world, whenever I go, and that could be tonight, you know, the po polar vortex. Depends how much we get to Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know. There's like a, like a you know, grizzly bear out there, a polar bear that comes and eats me or whatever. <laughs> they drive the cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but that that when I'm that I just that when I leave this planet that it would be just a little different because I was here, just a little different, and then I can know that I changed the world, you know. Yeah. So, anyways, yeah. Yeah. So focusing on impact instead of profit, I think is, a, is another mm -hmm. core of you. Yeah. Um, so to wrap this up, you've done a lot of cool stuff, man. We haven't even talked about your all your humanitarian stuff. You know, the reason I met you, you're here. You know, doing a coffee house in uh, Laos, yeah, in Laos. Yeah, yeah, really right. crazy yeah. cool. Yeah. You know, in a weekend. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You know, yeah, that was bringing this whole company to life. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but what I want to know is, what's next? Yeah. You know, what do you do for this encore? You've you've made a huge impact so far. You got a beautiful book. You know, you got a wife who clearly, at least she likes you a little bit because she comes to <laughs> Wisconsin with you. He's all right. Yeah. He's He'll do. He'll do. Yeah. yeah. But. Uh, What's next, man? And how can we help support that? Because I think, you know, one of the things that's core of uh, what Bernie and I do on Shut Up Show is we really want to support folks like you, man, that are making a difference, that are really, you know, yeah. helping those of us that have fear. You know, I'm the first to raise my hand. I've got plenty of fear. Yeah. <laughs> Overcome that. Yeah. So how can we support you, man? Because you're certainly helping us. Oh, I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know. You know, I think, I think. It's weird because you know I do things like this, but I don't give a shit about selling books. You know, like I don't care if anybody picks up my books. So I can't even say that. I think the, the main thing is just to, you know, I mean, I, to live to live a deliberate life. You know, like the way the, the what turns me on is not is not people sharing my stuff. You know, although like that's cool and that feels great. 
What turns me on is hearing stories of people like John who drove here from Philly to drop off some of his work in an art studio in Chicago, and to, you know, and now he's telling me this amazing project, photography project he's doing with, with cancer patients, people that are dealing with dealing in some cases with terminal cancer. That turns me on, you know. So like, that's what people can do, you know, for me, you know, for themselves. They just go out and make a difference. Yeah, and then like, tell other people about it, you know, tell misfits about it, because like, we, that turns us on, you know that. You know what I mean? Like that's what that's what fires. I hear things like that. It gives me ideas about what I can do and what you know to support him, but also that's that's a cool idea. Maybe I could do something like that. Like that sort of camaraderie, camaraderie and collaboration uh, and sharing is is what I think more and more is happening. So yeah. Cool. Did you know the Shut Up Show has a store? Go to theshutupshow.com/store and check out the awesome digital products we created just for you. Also, if you're a content creator, you've got to check out our sponsor, Cells. That's S-E-L-Z.com. Seriously, simple selling. Go check them out today.